the Proto Hawk Podcast, Episode 2 The Women Go to New York. Hi, guys, and welcome back to Episode 2 of the Proto Hack Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Ferguson, founder of the podcast production studio, SBT Digital, and I am super stoked be working with Roxana and Annie as they change the education game. Today on the show, we catch up with Annie and Roxana in New York as they discuss their new favorite cocktail, their plans to digitize the protohack experience, and how they are changing the future of education through what they call education innovation. In the second part of the show, Annie and I chat with the former VP of Innovation at Nielsen and current marketing professor at NYU, Nicole Alexander, to learn more about her former role as the VP of Innovation in China for Nielsen, what a career in innovation actually looks like, and what you can do to follow in Nicole's footsteps and become a leader in the innovation space as well. And with that, please welcome our favorite ladies, Annie and Roxana. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's crazy how being in person, connecting with people, you know, having those conversations is so different than um, on Slack or by email. And I think it's just that vibe that goes on that really allows you to kind of get to what you're thinking, what, what they're thinking so much faster. And you guys had an event recently in the Microsoft store, and that was your, was that your first ProtoHack Innovation Challenge since you guys have taken over? Yeah, in New, New York. York. Mm-hmm. So in New York. That Roxana and I have ever run together in completion. And how did it go? It went amazing. Yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better experience. I think the participants, the menu, the narrative, the judges that showed up, I, I don't know how, I don't know why 
<laughs> they show up, but they, they consistently do. And so that was a 12 hour innovation challenge that you guys put on in downtown New York City. And for listeners, really high level, what does an innovation challenge encompass? An innovation challenge is an applied learning experience where uh, participants come together and solve problems and effectively communicate it through a presentation and a pitch. And now, um, what else are you guys doing in New York while you're there with respect to ProtoHack and the education space? Well, we're actually working on digitizing the ProtoHack experience. And so we are considering something called Startup League. Cool. So you guys are looking to digitize the ProtoHack experience so people can acquire the same skills but not necessarily have to go to a physical location. Is that correct? Exactly. So we've been doing this, I mean, apart from when Roxana joined or when we took over the company, ProtoHack as an organization has been running these innovation challenges in a code-free hackathon format for almost four years. And in running these experiences, what we learned and took away from the experience is that it's so much more than um, about producing entrepreneurs or producing startups. The value for us or what we get so passionate, excited about is like the learning that happens through collaboration. And we know that that's not something that's possible to give to every single person. Like we seriously can't travel to every city in the world to make this a thing. It's just not scalable as it is now, but the value it, we believe is so important that every student has access to this. So that's kind of our motivations for really being able to, you know, provide it for anyone who's interested, um, not just people that can be in direct proximity to where we're running these events. Yeah, so what it comes down to at the core is innovation education. And first, innovation is about ideas that solve problems. And whether or not you have a coding background or business background, everybody has ideas that address problems. And so the Startup League is the goal to have it available in schools across you know, North America and then internationally? Yeah, well, we kind of see it as a huge gap in the market, you know, like students get prepared to be, you know, maybe the next Wayne Gretzky or the next Michael Phelps. And, and no one's really addressing the, you know, startup environment. I mean, you could be the next Mark Zuckerberg, but if you wait till you're like in your maybe mid twenties to start, you know, there's already people who've had an advantage from, you know, mm -hmm. 10 years ago. And so why, why don't we think of that in the same way we think of sports training? You know, obviously there's more to being in a sport and practicing than, than actually being a successful athlete. There's the skills that you learn that are so core to what you can apply in your real life, right? What you can apply in your career. And that's true for, um, you know, practicing your skills to be potentially um, in a startup or be a founder one day, you know, regardless of whether that actually happens, those skills are still going to be transferable to wherever you decide to work. Skills. 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 I really love the example that Rox just used on um, sports careers because even if you're not planning to become the next LeBron James or Wayne Gretzky, during the preparation of it and during the um, practice. practice of it, you're learning to be a better collaborator. You're learning to be um, an independent thinker. You're also learning to you're learning all of these skills um, that will only just prepare you for greater success.
specifically. I love it. And I also think it's interesting how that industry you just mentioned, I mean, if you think about the money that is put, it, put into it by mm -hmm. the government, by brands, by, you know, parents, mm -hmm. it would be amazing if we could get that same investment into the education system for children at a young age, you know? Yeah, like the work that we're doing now, Tara, is to prepare students to think of innovation first and to become great innovators. All right, so that was part one of this episode of the ProtoHack podcast. As mentioned earlier, in part two, we are joined by the former VP of Innovation at Nielsen and current marketing professor at NYU, Nicole Alexander. As innovation can have numerous meanings, Nicole shares her definition of innovation, what her role as the VP of Innovation entailed, and how it has impacted her teaching at NYU. So without further ado, please welcome Nicole Alexander. All right, so I'm super excited because we are joined today with Nicole Alexander. She's the former VP of Innovation at Nielsen, as well as a marketing professor at NYU. So thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so today our conversation is all about innovation and technology. So Nicole, I wanted to ask you, how do you define innovation? Um, so I will say this is my definition of innovation. I think every organization, every professional kind of describes it slightly different depending on their purview and their, their industry that they're, they're in. But in its purest sense, it's creating a new idea or improvements on an existing idea. But what's really important in that is actually bringing the idea to market, exploiting it in a way that leads to new products, services, or systems to add value or improve the quality of what exists or doesn't exist in the marketplace. So innovation also means, um, when you think about it from a technology perspective, is exploiting technology to generate new value and to bring about a significant, ideally, change to society. So if you think about, you know, even advances like Uber, you know, obviously driving is not an innovation, but utilizing technology in order to develop ride shares is an innovation, and it also changes the way that culture and society interacts with one another from a convenience perspective. And so, Annie, mm -hmm. you are very passionate about innovation, given what you're doing, and I wanted to know, how do you define innovation? My experience in innovation is uniquely different than I think uh, Nicole's in, in that I'm only starting to understand what it is today through the lens of somebody who's non-technical. Sorry to interrupt and just define non-technical. Somebody who doesn't code, doesn't program. Uh, I mean, I recently learned how to do a little bit of HTML and CSS, but beyond that, uh, my understanding of technology is very limited. And uh, for the longest time, I always assumed that technology and innovation were synonymous. And only now do I recognize that innovation is something personally, I believe, to, to exist well before uh, and is a necessity for technology. And so that's, that experience uh, and that belief now has led me to, to redefine what innovation is. And I, I personally agree a lot with what Nicole was saying earlier, and that's that innovation is in large part about creating value. And within the framework of uh, technology, I, I really do believe that innovation is about coming up with solutions. 
So Nicole, I have a question for you. What is your background and do you have a technical background as well? Um, so my background is, is definitely not technical. My background is predominantly business and digital marketing. So understanding consumers from a psychological and needs perspective and then developing solutions and products that they either knew that they wanted intrinsically or that they didn't quite know that they wanted yet, but that was something that was sort of trends that we saw in the marketplace or that we knew that they would want down the road. I, I love technology. I, I taught myself how to code, but it's not something that I think is, you know, there's always that question about, you know, should I learn to code because it's the next wave in, in language? You mm -hmm. know, you learn how to read, write, speak, and is code actually going to be one of those in the future? Totally. And I guess from my perspective, I, I don't think it's something that you should feel that you have to learn. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that gives you a huge advantage and opens you up to a lot of creativity, actually, even if you're a non-technical person. But, you know, learn it because learn anything because you want to learn it, that you enjoy it. But it's not something that I think is mandatory in order to go into innovation, to go into marketing, to go into a lot of amazing, you know, sectors. I mean, you can definitely be successful in technology and not know how to code. And I, I think there are so many case scenarios that you've seen, you know, you know, individuals who develop startups or are CEOs of technology companies that they themselves don't know how to code. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think it's always about just understanding what you want to create or what you want to solve and focusing on that more so than the technical skill of of, of learning to code. It's so cool. I'm so, I actually didn't have a, any idea that you didn't know how to code a program, or I mean that you weren't <laughs> a, a computer science or engineering background. I just assumed that you did, um, of course. And uh, no, but it's it's so refreshing to know that you don't as well, and you were, uh, you held a title like VP of Innovation, um, and that that's what your job entailed. <laughs> Every time I have this conversation, I feel like I'm, preaching to the choir or you know they're preaching to the choir and it's it's very comforting to know that it's not just all up in my head I can't tell you how many people that I come across even in the experiences that we put on that are so anxious about not having a technical person a part of their team even if we have tell them a thousand times over that this is a non-technical innovation challenge, mm -hmm. that there isn't any coding required, and I have this very unpopular belief, I feel like anyways, that coding isn't the solution. And for a lot of schools, a lot of academic institutions, like it's kind of become this band-aid to put all their students in coding programs or just to give students new technology tools like iPads to solve the issue that they're not preparing their students for the current workforce. And I think that's so backwards. You know, we're- You're we're, more about empowering the individual to be able to do things with or without technology, I believe. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And like a business doesn't start because of technology. It, it starts because there's a problem that their solution or their product is addressing. And technology is used and introduced after to then accelerate that or to, to offer scale. Like. I think if we looked at schools as businesses or the education experience as a business, that would be the same trajectory, no? Um, but yeah, I that's one of my unpopular beliefs. And so um, in understanding that there isn't this necessity of technology to 
teach innovation or to be a part of innovation is, is something that I'm constantly advocating for. I like it. And I agree. And I actually, you know, I, Nicole, I appreciate you sort of saying that um, you're, you know, you're the VP of innovation. For a lot of people, I'm sure that's sort of like, what does that mean? But it's cool to know <laughs> that you can be a VP of innovation and not necessarily, you know, live and breathe coding. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. I mean, I, you know, a lot of my a lot of my staff when I was with Nielsen, they were not coders. So, you know, some of them were data scientists. Some of them were account management teams, you know, because the reality is, you know, there's there's obviously the face to the client about understanding what the client needs and how do we then look at solutions that we can meet those needs. And then if the solutions are on the technical side, then we, you know, we sit down and we talk to the team about how to develop a technical solution, you know, based off of, you know, our prototypes or our hypothesis, et cetera. But the technology element, you know, is, as, as Andy said, it's a great enabler. But, you know, when I look at teams, particularly when it comes to innovation, I want individuals that have a strong understanding of how to first listen, how to, you know, think about what's happened in society when it comes to the product or service, how to ideate on how to make things better. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, that's really too also about having a very cross-functional team. So, you know, we talk a lot about technology, but even in some of the most amazing areas that I've seen innovations in technology, a lot of the ideation and brainstorming stage about new solutions came from people that didn't have a technology background. So, you know, you see sometimes in having really diverse teams, individuals that come from the sciences or come from engineering or come from the arts area or music, you know, they bring about such a different perspective that one of the big things I encourage when you think about um, when th looking at your team, as Annie mentioned, when, when she develops these protohack events, that individuals are really worried they don't have someone on their team with technical experience. Mm. You know, and I agree with her. Don't, that's not something that you should worry about. Worry about having diverse opinions mm -hmm. and diverse backgrounds that can offer up an innovative way to solve a problem for a field that may not be the field that this person is in. So you have, you know, bioscience individuals coming in to solve problems about engineering. You have individuals coming into technology meetings or app development that may have a background in the arts or the creative field because they have a different perspective and they can offer sort of different solutions based on their experience and, and, and their, uh, you know, their knowledge. I always say this, you know, that's why diversity makes so much sense in the boardroom. <laughs> but, you know, having a diverse skill set definitely helps push innovation forward. Yeah. You get to have people in the room that would never otherwise consider being a part of this conversation. But I want to know, Nicole, how has your career as the VP of Innovation, which, by the way, is such a cool title, um, how has it impacted or changed the way that you teach? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Um, so I was an adjunct professor before I, I, I left for China. Moving to China, first and foremost, was a very humbling experience. And you know, I, I lived in Brazil, I've lived in Morocco, I've lived in the United States, but it, very different from picking up and moving to China where there's a language barrier, just cultural differences when it comes to communication. And I have to say it was the one area where it made me rethink sort of everything I learned when it came to leadership, everything I learned when it came to communicating efficiently and effectively 
And it really made me take a step back, particularly because most of my students, ironically, are, I think 98% of my class is usually um, from China. Um, So it's definitely a very humbling experience. It made me really learn to understand how difficult it is for non-native English speakers, obviously in the classroom, and, and for them to understand concepts that are very foreign to them, and you know, outside of just being a language perspective, but you know, when we think when we talk about things that are very Western centric when it comes to culture, legal implications around technology and analytics and privacy. So I I think that China hopefully made me a better professor, but it also just opened me up to just the the amazing realm of possibilities and how particularly developing and emerging markets innovate, how they use data, how they optimize um, around customer preferences. So if you think about China, for instance, just from a landmass, it's absolutely huge. But also there's just so many different cultural preferences when it comes from north, south, east, west, et cetera. And the adaptation of developing solutions for all of these different preferences and how they just quickly innovate and fail fast and then go on to the next thing and develop it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, from a from a Western perspective, I don't think we've caught up to that stage. I think that, you know, the U.S. brings amazing innovation in certain areas, but I, I don't think that most companies are comfortable even today with failing fast and then moving on and, and reinvesting the time and the effort um, to do it again. Yeah. So I hope that long-winded answer answers your question. Yeah, yeah, no, it absolutely does. So now that we're here in New York working at the Started Accelerator and Incubator, I realized like the first part of turning this learning experience into a digital platform is understanding what the value is and why people continue to go through the ProtoHack experience. In some of the focus groups that I've been running and some of the qualitative research we've been doing, I... I'm starting only now to recognize that it's collaboration. Like, I mean, for most people, it's the access to the great mentors that we have. And really, it's just about talking to each other and talking to other people about the ideas that they have and understanding if this is a real solution, if if it is a real problem. So I wonder if we're teaching innovation here and through your work experience, like how has that impacted the way that you teach innovation? Definitely. So one of the things that I try and do is I try and be um, technology um, agnostic. agnostic, Thank you. Mm -hmm. I try and be technology agnostic because depending on where you are, depending on the company you're in, you may use Omniture, you may use Adobe Analytics, you may use Web Trends, Google Analytics, et cetera. So it's not about learning a software or technology. It's about really understanding the process that goes into analyzing and thinking and communicating and then taking whatever technology or software or system that you're using and then having it you know develop and help you sort of you know do the data crunching and and visualizations etc but i think one of the biggest ways that i've innovated within the class is sort of taking very global perspectives and allowing mm-hmm. them into the classroom to kind of frame the discussion and then really challenging students to take a step back from wanting to learn Google Analytics or to learn Adobe Analytics and to be able to just literally go back to basics and, well, can you even you know look at data in Excel? 
can you can I if I can give you data in Excel, can you give me sort of an analysis? Can you synthesize that into actionable outputs? Right. And and not have to worry about the technology or the visuals or you know learning to drag and drop. So I I think students learning a more simplistic way of understanding, articulating, and then making that connection from articulating to now what does the business need to do in order to move forward, mm -hmm. in order to meet their goal? I think that's one of the biggest challenges I had because students are like, well, we want to learn all these amazing softwares. I'm like, we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. But first, you need to be able to show me that you can read data in just as purest form. So I, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I, I bring into the classroom is, hey, let's look at this from a rational perspective, and then let's jump into all of these amazing softwares and technologies, which we do learn, but it comes a little bit later in the course after they're able to articulate why data in and of itself can be important to an organization. Yeah. So I love that. This entire time, I'm just like nodding. <laughs> you guys <laughs> see this? Because at the product experiences, I can't tell you how many times in the ninth hour I go to one of the teams and I ask them, what problem are you solving? And they can't answer me. Mm -hmm. It's like they're everybody's so sold on the solution or like sold on learning this technology or sold on um, their business their idea. idea that mm -hmm. they, yeah, that they, they forget that this idea is nothing without being effective without actually answering to uh, a real life problem in the world whether it's at protohack or in business or in life like the things that you do if they don't add value they're not necessary <laughs> and i think it's really fascinating how you leverage technology to understand people better definitely and anything that you're developing you know whether it's b2b or b2c at the end of the day there's a person at the end of it so, I mean, it, if, you know, if you don't have sort of a technology background, then, then, you know, leverage what you do have. If you understand individuals, if you understand what people need or what people want, and then, you know, if you start there, then everything else can kind of fall into place. Because again, you know, innovation isn't just about the new idea, but it's about, well, how am I actually going to bring this to market and make it palpable to individuals that I want to buy it or to use it? Um, and I think, you know, if you can't commercialize it, you have a really difficult time of, of executing a product or a, an idea. Nicole, if somebody's looking to get into a career in innovation, mm. what are your suggestions on how to do that? Oh, that's a great question. So, I mean, you know, it's interesting because you have innovation departments in some way, shape, or form at every organization. You know, sometimes they're just considered, you know, R&D, research and development. Sometimes they're, you know, under the, the marketing arm. And sometimes they're, they stand alone sort of in their own special division within an organization. So I think that it's, from an innovation perspective, I would say that it really helps to, first and foremost, understand you know, what does innovation mean at the organization you're looking at? Because it can mean very different things across an agency, a media organization, and a solutions provider like Nielsen. But I always actually encourage individuals in general, when they're if they have the opportunity, to sort of look at all the departments in a company. Because you could think that you want to do something and the department that you're going in could be marketing, but you find out that that's not really what they do every day. Um, and it could sit in, you know, a, a slightly different department. But understanding sort of things like customers or individuals 
um, psychological, sociological, ethnography that definitely helps understanding data, um, even if you are not a data whiz, but just understanding, you know, how to acquire data, how to utilize data, how to analyze it and develop actionable outputs from it. And again, this is this can be non-technical. And then also having some insight and understanding into marketing from a brand perspective. So what do what does an organization need in order to gain customers, keep customers, and move customers through the pipeline? So I think those are sort of the three buckets that's really helpful in helping any organization with their innovation process. Love it. Good question, Thanks. Annie. Thanks. Okay, so I think that wraps up our conversation today. But obviously, if you want to find out more about Nicole and Annie, head on over to the ProtoHack website and there will be all that information there. So thank you once again, ladies, for joining us. So I want to maybe end this with a call out, if possible. Please, if you are in the education space, whether you're a teacher, administrator, or an educator in any academic environment, please connect with us if you are interested in being a part of that first group of people who gets to experience what innovation education looks like. Innovation and it feels so good. Education cause we understood. So that wraps up episode two of the ProtoHack podcast. If you want more insights from leaders in the innovation and education space, as well as tips on what you can do to establish a career in innovation, make sure you subscribe to the ProtoHack podcast on iTunes and follow us on social. To get in touch with Annie, you can email her at annie at protohack.com. That's A-N-N-E-E at protohack.com. I'm your host, Tara Ferguson. I hope you have a great week and we will catch you on the next episode of the ProtoHack podcast. Mm -hmm.